arms with four inches So I guess I could have chosen a better word Perhaps I should say You complete me in every way But if we're honest we both know that's absurd Hello and welcome to Our Movies, Ourselves The Movie and Relationship Podcast I'm your host, Emily Frank And joining me today is my co-host and sometimes host Jeff Frank. Hello, thanks for having me. So for those new to the pod, which is all of us, since it's brand new, we are a married couple, we do enjoy movies, and so our plan is to take turns hosting and choosing movies to watch and dispensing some relationship revelations. Sometimes we'll choose movies that one of us loves and the other one does not, uh, whether that is that they like the movie or maybe hate the movie or somewhere in between. And our goal is to really recognize our differences, find commonality, and then just kind of reflect on how our differences bring us together. So our movie today is Groundhog Day. Coming out on Groundhog Day. If today. Yes, today is Groundhog Day. That's right. As long as we are able to get this all together in time. Mm. Which I'm sure we absolutely will. We'll see. So Groundhog Day, uh, I absolutely love. And? I think it's fine. Okay, great. Uh, just, a, just a little synopsis before we get started um, and hear more about what we love or don't love. Groundhog Day is, uh, I would consider it a romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, yep. Sort of fantasy-ish, surreal-ish, but definitely romantic comedy. And uh, Bill Murray uh, plays Phil. He's a weatherman. And uh, his producer, Rita, is played by Annie McDowell. And the two of them are sent to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania for the Groundhog Day ceremonies. Phil is, uh, well, he's, he's pretty much a jerk. He's pretty mean to everyone in a funny way, but he's, he's a jerk. Yes, very accurate. Okay. Uh, portrayal of somebody in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, and maybe you can share a little more in the, in later about uh, your experience with that. He goes through his, his day of Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Because of a blizzard, he gets stuck there through the whole day. He gets stuck in this tiny, dinky town and then wakes up the next day and it turns out it's still February 2nd. He has to live that whole day over again. And then that just continues to happen to him over and over and over. And he goes through quite a lot of different phases of dealing with that and trying to break out of that. With romantic and comedic results. Yes. Hilarious. And then eventually kind of realizes that uh, maybe not being a jerk is a a thing to try. Uh, Of course, falls in love with Rita. Of course. He ends up being selfless kind of teaching himself how to be selfless and that finally breaks the curse and he's able to to move on to february 3rd bill so, murray classic bill murray it is Essential definitely bill classic murray. bill murray this is my favorite bill murray and i do say that recognizing that ghostbusters is wonderful i i love bill murray in general this is definitely my favorite of his oh so let me start with you jeff before i move on to the other people in the room <laughs> What did you like about this movie? I liked that it wasn't so romantic comedy I think there's much less of, you know, it, it's less painful to watch this movie. I think in some ways because both of the leads are likable. Bill mm-hmm. Murray's pretty likable and relatable. And she's very likable and relatable. You know, they're not 
idealized versions of what they're trying to be. Mm-hmm. They're very grounded in that sense. I think because of the structure of it, it had to be that way, right? If they were unlikable and you had to watch them every day, you know, to watch the same thing doing it over and over and over again, it'd be a real slog. So, um, can I just ask? I, I kind of defined Bill Murray's character as a jerk, and you agreed with that. So, what, when you say that he's likable, what, what does that mean? Well, I think he's definitely funny. Mm, okay. his, his lines are just okay. the best. He's written so well oh in this gosh. movie. I could see why somebody who has seen it many times would mm. quote it ad nauseum. <laughs> um, it does. It's very snappy. Yes. And so I think in that way, he has, you know, he has kind of a dry, sarcasticness to him that is likable. Mm-hmm. You know, that if it wasn't Bill Murray, it would be annoying. But because he is Bill Murray, it's, okay. you know, he kind of skates on that. Okay. Thank you. I, I think that's what makes him. And I think Jerk's a little, a little strong. Um, for him. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, some of the things that he says to her border on sexual harassment, right? Oh, well, yeah. He is extremely rude to their cameraman, played by Chris Elliott, who I really can't stand. And it's hard to even... It's hard to even acknowledge that he's in the movie. I'd prefer to just forget that whole piece of it. Where does this rank in your Chris Elliott movie canon? Is this top five? I, I'm i not going to even talk about it. I'm not going to mention Chris Elliott anymore. I'm just going to... like I can't. I can't. But he's very rude to, him, to the cameraman, played by whoever. Mm-hmm. The poor bed and breakfast lady. He asks her, do you have a, a espresso or cappuccino? And she says, oh, I really don't know. And then he says, how to spell espresso or cappuccino. I mean, he's very, he's very rude. Okay. In the, at least in the first, you know, half to two thirds of the movie. I mean, I like your definition of likable in that, like, the audience enjoys watching him, of course. Yeah. Like, we get a lot out of him being a jerk. I mean, his lines are very funny. Yes. And as someone who disdains small towns, Mm. uh, I can relate to that bit. Okay. Of... Him. Of him. Just ripping of on being his being an a-hole to small, small town jerks. Okay, okay. That's I'm fair. all about that. Let everyone know I'm a big city elitist. Are there things that you liked about it that you haven't mentioned already? I loved the part that was the shot of the... They clearly had to construct a giant alarm clock that was just like the alarm clock uh. in the thing. Because they shoot it at such a low and close-up angle, and the number just goes and falls down. Uh-huh. And somewhere, I hope it's still there today. But in some backlot, I just hope that there's this ten-foot-tall exact recreation. Wow, you think it had to be that big? Yeah, that's awesome. I think it would have to. That's wonderful. Just the way that the that the camera looks. Yeah. And the, like. Yeah, it's got to be like a 10-foot like exact recreation. That's really cool. Of it. I always just assumed it was some sort of like uber close-up, but that makes it even better. That's really cool. Oh, no. And seeing it now from a, you know, a Blu-ray rip and not watching it off of TV, I think it's, it was easier. It jumped out mm-hmm. more than, oh, obviously, this is some really interesting right. prop piece. That oh, that's cool. <laughs> fell down. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. Nice. And I like too that it didn't use a, f- it didn't use any special effects mm-hmm. in it because I, well, I think there's a. Do you mean digital effects or 
because there's a giant fireball that comes out of the truck when his truck crashes. Oh, well, okay, yeah. I mean, sure, there are special effects, yes. The special effects team was there. Right. Um, but yeah, there aren't digital effects. So there aren't. There's no effect that is not a practical effect. Mm-hmm. Like an explosion is a practical effect right. that happens in the right. world. But and the like ground is real. I mean, there's a real ground that oh, literally yeah. bit Bill Murray. Oh yeah, on set, like he, yeah, it is all real for sure. Yeah, and so I think like that's really nice too, and that's yeah, I think you know in the very opposite of Ghostbusters, you know, this one doesn't have anything to show its mechanisms, and it relies mm-hmm. on the subtlety of the music cues and the subtlety of the directing of the actors and the repetition of the same shots to to do the effects mm-hmm. basically, and so that's really nice. Yeah. Anything else that you liked? Well, what did you not like? Uh, I don't have a strong dislike of this movie. That, yeah. Um, so I don't want to make it out like I detested watching it or no. anything. It, it's not one that I necessarily am going to rewatch. Mm-hmm. That I would be itching to rewatch. I think the nostalgia effect isn't there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't watch it on TV a whole bunch. I didn't, you know, have lines of it memorized or was very aware of it. Not that it's a dislike, but it's just kind of an observation. It's kind of one of the last movies that Bill Murray is in before we get to the event horizon of Bill Murray, meta Bill Murray. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Where he is no longer being Bill Murray the actor, but rather Mm. Bill Murray acting as Bill Murray the actor, like he currently is. Right. Yeah. And you're not just talking about sort of the zombie land playing himself but like literally just doing his stuff him, himself right. in every role bill murdying yes through bill any murray. role not just yes. zombie landing but bill murdying yeah always which is great and perfect mm-hmm. and he does it really well but in this one i think you do get to see him actually he actually has to say some lines that were in the script mm-hmm. and in so many other things it feels like he's saying things that aren't in the script that he just interprets right you know what i mean yeah he just takes the script and then does whatever he wants and nobody tells him anything differently right because he's because he's bill, bill murray. fucking murray yeah you know he doesn't even have an agent that he has like a random landline phone if you want him to be in your movie you have to call that phone i'm not kidding you what yeah he doesn't have an agent he doesn't have any representation you have to call some random number and you have to like get it from somebody like random and then call the phone number. I think for a while he didn't even have an answering machine on it. That's Bill Murray. Well, I agree with all the things that you like. And don't necessarily disagree with the things that you didn't like. But I do, I feel intense love for this movie. Well, for me, the dialogue is just hilarious and wonderful. And never really gets old. And it does come some from him just ripping on people, you know. But he plays off of those people so well. The, like, drunk guys in the bowling alley. Oh, yeah. Um, He just, their small town tininess and his, you know, sort of dry awfulness just really mix together so well. I, I really like sort of the choreography of some of the scenes that you see played over and over you know, I mean, it's supposed to be a whole different day, but of course, you know, nobody else realizes it's the whole different day. So the only things that are different are things that he makes different. So there's times where you 
can kind of see, you know, things mostly being the same, but then, you know, him entering at a different time. So somebody else is like slightly in a different place or, you know, there's a person who's walking who was, you know, a little bit further along or exactly the same. He's kind of just realizing that, you know, he's in this, uh, he's in this loop. I, I love that. And I imagine that was fun and taxing to, to make, but just feels like they put that effort in to really kind of make this world oh, for seem sure. so real that he's just totally stuck in it. And I mean, the sort of claustrophobia of this tiny town, right? It's, it's cold. There's no hot water in his bed and breakfast. He wants to get out so bad that he's almost willing to like walk through a blizzard to get out. But I mean, of course he's, he's stuck. He's stuck in this town. The roads are closed. The phone lines are down. Obviously this is before the internet, right? Like it's, he's just stuck as he's realizing that he's having this day repeat, you know, he'll ask for help, but like everybody is small time. I, I, the scene where he goes to the therapist's office, I just absolutely love it. It's this yeah. like super inexperienced therapist who's sort of really unnerved by Bill Murray's problem that he he shares with him. You know, he says, I'm not, you know, I don't really know what to say or do. You know, and then he says, I think we should meet again. Um, how's tomorrow for you? <laughs> it's just like such, he has, he has no help from anybody. It just feels very claustrophobic. He's totally stuck in the small town and in the blizzard. And it's palpable, that sort of like frustration and anguish. And he, you know, he goes through his different sort of stages of grief or his different, uh, you know, phases of dealing with his predicament. They all, I mean, every new stage to me is like both tragic and hilarious. That's what what I kind of wanted to ask you about was like in this, does that reflect like some sort of traumatic experience? Does that fit like a pattern of having a new reality i don't know somebody who's mm-hmm. has to make a huge move across the country like goes through the same patterns of like feeling free and then feeling trapped and then trying to do something and then feeling hopeless and then feeling suicidal and right. then getting to some sort of place afterwards is there any psychological background in that well so the stages of grief is a thing sort of i'll give you the <laughs> sort of short version, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross had a model of grief. And I believe her work sort of started with people who are being given a terminal diagnosis. So stages of grief around their own, you know, potential demise. Her original model was sort of, it always happens this way. And it always happens in this order. And it always happens in sort of a timely manner. And that's absolutely not true. But when you look at the different stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, a lot of people who are dealing with grief, whether that's their own death or the death of a loved one or not being able to control something or having to move across the country, whatever, whatever the loss is, you do see a lot of times people exhibit some of those feelings, sometimes, you know, multiple stages at once. Sometimes they get stuck in one one spot for quite a long time or they move forward or, you know, move into, you know, potential acceptance and then move back. 
it definitely is not as simple as kind of like moving through the stages or whatever. But if you think about those stages, some of the phases that Phil goes through do kind of line up. I think the denial piece being... Right, exactly. The first two days, right? Right, yeah. Or 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 even actually, I mean, and that's something too that like maybe we have different views of which ones would line up with that. But I think the denial piece of like, I can do whatever I want, right? This isn't really, oh, a, this isn't really a problem because I can do whatever I want. There's no consequences. I can drive on the railroad tracks. But that's not bargaining? Well, I've, I would say that bargaining would be more of his wanting to build this perfect day okay. with her. This yeah. sort of like, if I do this, if I do this thing, can I get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying so hard to make it happen, uh, you know, and of course it, it fails. And then he try, he keeps trying and it fails sooner and sooner and sooner. And you see that sort of montage of her slapping him and leaving earlier and earlier in this sort of manufactured perfect day. Yeah, I think I would, I would call that one bargaining. I mean, depression, obviously, yep. and he kills himself in every way. <laughs> many times says, in yeah. many ways. Yeah, I mean, I think anger, sort of angry throughout, first, but like maybe yeah. in the first couple, is angry about being stuck in, you know, the town any length of time. He's sort of angry to begin with. Yeah, I don't know if they if they planned that. Uh, I mean, and then I guess I should say the last one, that acceptance. I think once he sort of turns over the realization that it's not about him and starts to actually you know do things for other people and including doing things for himself to sort of better himself to be able to share with other people um you know learning to play the piano learning to ice sculpt those are i think sort of accepting really accepting that like he may never get out of this but he wants to you know he wants to be a better person and positively affect the people around him and I mean, kind of back to things that I loved about the movie, that's really, this movie, to me, there's such a great arc that his character has. You know, he's this jerk, and then he's trying everything to pretend to not be a jerk, and then, you know, all, you you get to s- sort of walk through all of these different motivations that he has. You know, and uh, and then just kind of eventually gets pretty raw about it and realizes that it's not about him. I, I think it's a beautiful arc in a otherwise, you know, kind of just a funny movie. The movie never feels, to me, never feels boring, even though you're watching the same day over and over. I mean, with Groundhog Day, I think I got pretty heavy, like, cable rotation you know, on yeah. on TBS. That's TNT. definitely when I first saw it was on cable. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's definitely one of those movies that I would rewatch over and over. It's definitely for me. I think the like oldness of it isn't it isn't really a thing. Just having seen it, you know, recent pretty recently after it came out, and um, seeing other movies, you know, contemporary to this, made me love it without feeling like it's aged poorly or anything one observation i had about it is i i think it's um maybe one reason why you like it and certainly a reason why i like it is that at first his pursuit of rita is to try and like game it right Mm -hmm. is to like i'm gonna 
do everything that you want me to do. I'm going right. to be the person that you want and do the homework and like study it and like master it and perfect it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a performance and like nail it down. Like it's an execute, you know, like it's a, a computer program, you know, right. to execute. And I think it's, I think a lesser, I think if it was a, if it was a lesser movie, it would, that would have somehow worked at the end. Hmm. And I, I like that it didn't work. Yeah. Right. And I think there's something in that, that ultimately connects to the whole message of the film, which is like, you know, you can't make somebody fall in love with you. You have to, well, you have to love yourself before mm -hmm. you can love somebody else. Right. And like that kind of is the, the soul of the movie. Right. right. Because it, at the beginning, he doesn't love himself. He doesn't know about, you know, he doesn't have the confidence in that. He doesn't have the position to like, to understand the people in the town, to understand Rita in a deeper way. And mm -hmm. then to then just focus on himself and to get to really know himself and be the best person he can be in this situation that he doesn't like. Mm. And I think, yeah, what you're saying about having a really great character arc, I think that's part of it, is that we you don't really know what you, your, like, perfect person isn't necessarily your perfect person, mm -hmm. right? And that you don't, you don't fall in love with your imagination. You have to fall in love with a real person. The The message of it, is really strong and i think right. that if it w that's what makes it hold up i think better today mm -hmm. than it would otherwise i totally agree with that and i feel like andy mcdowell i think she does a really great job of like her reactions her just her facial expressions when he's when he's sort of creating this perfect day and you see you know kind of snippets of scenes multiple times so you know he's trying the same day over and over and over you know he'll he overcorrects. she says her drink that she likes is sweet vermouth on the rocks and and so he tries again and he's so he says that's that's what his favorite drink is and then she's like oh wow you know that's my favorite drink what should we drink to he says to the groundhog she says oh well i usually drink to world peace and then the next time he says, you know, I like to, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and uh, drink to world peace. And you could just see on her face, she's like, uh, that's what I, that's what I drink to. But something about you saying that feels weird. Like, yeah, it's like, you don't, you don't want to date yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. She's you uncomfortable with the like artificialness of his choices even if they are seemingly you know sort of perfect or you know yeah. serendipitous i just i think she does a great job of that and it's true that you do have to you know fall in love with a real person and i i like that as kind of our segue to our next section which is kind of going beyond the movie mm -hmm. what what do you think it says about you that you liked this movie, didn't love it. What do you think it says about me that I loved this movie? And what does it say about us as a couple? What does it say about me? Um, I hope it says that I, I don't know, kind of connect to a story that's a little more complex, even if it's about, you know, romance, mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's a little more involved and character driven, I think has a, a real reality to it. What I really enjoyed seeing in it relating back to the um you know defining it as a romantic comedy mm -hmm. and but not as a romantic comedy is that annie mcdowell is you know she's likable and she's not like a pretty princess no. either like she's a producer like she's in a giant coat gloves 
in jeans in the whole movie. Right. And like, I, I just think as a, as a cool lead romantic interest, mm -hmm. because it's like beyond just that she's a working woman. It's like, she's just real about what she wants to do. And she's, she's genuine about as a producer, she likes, you know, there's some nice scenes in there that kind of indicate she's not, you know, she's where she wants to be. It's not, I don't know. It, there's just something real like simple about her. That's, mm -hmm. that's just straightforward. And it's a really cool thing for a, a romantic lead. What I hope it says about me is not that like disregard romance or romantic movies or movies that have that are about falling in love, but that want it to have a little more to it or to be a little more reflective of real people's lives or, right. or just different people's lives than the prettiest and most well-off people. Mm -hmm. Do you want to guess what you think it it uh, that means about me that I love this movie, or do you want? I think it. I think it absolutely says about how you are so quick-witted. I think you love it because you are a sharp wit like Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. Like you can respond so quickly with something so silly and, <laughs> but also smart and sarcastic a little bit when it needs to be. That is as effortless as Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. and, That's very kind uh, of you. So I see that absolutely is a thing and i think you also it has a psychologist in it mm, <laughs> that mm. you think is a little bit realistic <laughs> uh aside aside part of this podcast will be the how accurate is the psychologist in this movie really? test which you can grade absolutely yeah. if, if you want to grade this yeah yeah so that that kind of mm -hmm. having it be based around a character's you know kind of psychology and dealing with things in a real way mm -hmm. I think you respond well to that kind of stuff is this you're obviously because of your profession but also uh. as your passion as an empathetic person that you like to love yourself as well and so love yourself to love somebody else so mm. I think that reflects well well thank you that's interesting I uh I feel like my thoughts myself about you know why you sort of liked this movie maybe didn't didn't love it, but I think you, you're such a creative person and you, you love universes. You love to sort of like see worlds fleshed out, sort of different worlds, worlds, worlds other than our own. And this is, I think, a movie where like, you know, time has obviously been disrupted and you like to see sort of like how this person is affected by that, how they deal with that. Yeah, you love universes. Um, yeah, as a member of a universe, I do love universes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, for myself, I think the number one thing that it says about me that I love this movie is that, like, fundamentally, I believe that people can change. I think that is, for somebody in the mental health field, you really have to believe that. Um, that people are capable of change. Not that they always will, but that they're capable of it. I love that this movie starts with a character who is beyond flawed and that he doesn't just get fixed. He gets broken and rebroken and thinks that he knows how to fix himself. Thinks, I mean, it's just his story is really reflected of kind of our human condition that like we've we go through a lot of crap sometimes and and we are always sort of dealing with that but amidst all of that we are capable of change uh, capable of growth damn um, 
okay, you convinced me. I like this movie. (laughs) That was real. That was awesome. Um, Does that say anything that you think it says about us as a couple? I I would hope that that we're real people. Mm. And so this kind of like a real love story of, you know, not trying to be perfect for each other, not trying to be the exact, not being anything except the person that we are. And that if we, you know, if I love you, I need to figure out a way to be better to myself and to treat myself better. You know, if that's one thing I can pull from this movie for our relationship, it would be something like that. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, I think definitely what you had said about sort of reality that our relationship has has always felt real to me and and sort of based in reality not not uh fantasy or or sort of honeymoonish but i think we also don't see those romantic components as the only pieces of our relationship i feel like i love you just as much doing silly things together or picking up our kids toys as I do you know on a fancy trip or a romantic date that's you know our our love is sort of omnipresent we're real ass people we are we are not figments of your imagination we're 100% true Mm -hmm. full on I'll give you my social security number if you want and it's time for a break Today's show is not brought to you by Sunbasket. If it were, this is where we would advertise Sunbasket, the meal delivery service that comes straight to you. Sunbasket delivers fresh, organic ingredients to your door with detailed instructions on how to make a delicious home-cooked meal in no time. If Sunbasket were to sponsor us, I would tell you how they have options for gluten-free, vegetarian, paleo, family plans, and more. If there were to be an offer code, you would go to sunbasket.com slash ourmovies. Again, that would be sunbasket.com slash our movies. But Sunbasket is not a sponsor, so don't go there. Or do. It's your life. Now, back to the show. So I have just a couple of other um, questions I thought would be fun to ask you. Sort of knowing all of the different phases that Phil goes through, what what do you think you would do? What would be your maybe initial and then eventual reaction to being stuck in a day that you couldn't change and nobody else remembered? I definitely like the part where he just reads all day, mm. goes to the library, reads all day, and then you know learns to play the piano, learns to ice sculpt. I think that kind of stuff that would be really cool to do. Stealing the money <laughs> is pretty cool. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's something I would do, but I think... Just like a little robbery. You know, I do like, a little robbery. Right. Yeah, to do to do whatever I wanted to do. Right. If I got good at it, that's a yeah. skill. That's right. making myself better. Yeah. Um, so that part I really liked. Mm-hmm. I also think where he eventually ends up, like, knowing everybody in the town. Right. I think that's a really cool thing, too. It's like, what if you just spent a day with one person and you just got to know them and ask them questions and right. delve in and you know there's so many like that aspect of like all the stuff you can do in a day when you know you, there's not going to be a tomorrow right. <laughs> like, there's not yeah. gonna, you're kind of that kind of making the most of the deserted island that you're on right um well one thing i i would think too is like like in a video game like doing a speed run like seeing how much you can get done in a day or uh-huh. like how far you could get in one day would be really right. interesting. If it wasn't, I mean, for this movie, it's like you're trapped in a blizzard. So that's kind of like 
the yeah, artificial yeah. kind of thing around it. But if it was just one day anyway, it would just be like, how far could I get mm-hmm. in just running in 23 hours? Like, no, yeah, <laughs> maybe just running, but also like take a taxi, go to the airport, uh-huh. get a plane, get on there and go as far as you can go. And then mm-hmm. take it, you know, get in a Jeep and see if you can go even further than that. Right. You know, how much of the world can you see in 23, right. in 23 hours? Right. Yeah. You know, that could be something really mm-hmm. interesting too that I think right. uh, Groundhog Day 2 speed run, you know, coming soon. <laughs> Beyond Funksadani. <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, what about you? Well, I think just commenting really quick that like, your love of travel is like you can't even imagine being stuck in a small town you have to like you have to no. imagine an entire sequel to get out of that town so that you Amazing can do what you style. really want to do which is travel the world uh yeah but i think i um i think eventually i could get to reading learning the piano uh learning other skills i do think that i would really struggle with connecting with people and then having that erased the next day that would be very difficult for me you know I I think it's neat that he gets to know the entire town and gosh if you had that much time like I'm sure you would I think I build connections with people and I think it would be really difficult for me so I feel like I would probably end up in some dark places (laughs) you know let me ask you this question Mm. all right this movie's coming out in 2018 it's a reimagining, mm. not necessarily a remake, but maybe a reimagining. There won't be a cameo from any of the other characters in it, but okay. you gotta recast it. Phil, Rita. Uh, so I like what you said about Rita. That I mean, I think Andy McDowell is very pretty, but they don't sort of overdo her in that way. And the person that stands out to me, and maybe it's just because she's sort of played that girl next door character is Felicia Day. Mm. That I think she's got range. I think she can play sort of the like nice girl, but also, you know, can can be assertive. And then I hate it when my brain like finds somebody and I don't really like that choice, but I can't think of anybody else. So I might as well just say who my brain found. Um, Who's your Bill Murray? Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he's such a he played such a good jerk. Yeah. I just he's too attractive. I think is is why I'm hesitant to even say it. But I, I think. But I think in, in in some other universe, he does have the face of like a a TV personality, like a CNN mm. person. Like if he was boring, he mm-hmm. would be on CNN, right? Because he's really pretty but boring. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. that CNN. Yeah. Screw you, Anderson. <laughs> yeah, you're hot, but who cares? You're boring. No. Then, uh, do you have people? No. Oh. Um, was there a third person you wanted me to cast? Yeah, the cameraman. <laughs> uh, like literally <laughs> anybody. Anybody but Chris Elliott. It would be miles ahead. Any of your people? I don't know. I think, I, yeah, now that you said Ryan Reynolds, I can't get off of that. <sighs> I know. It just like once once it pops into your head, you're like, well, send us your suggestions in our listener mail. Speaking of which, Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, We do have an email address. You can send us, uh, drop us a line uh, if you have reactions to the podcast, to the movies, or if you just want some relationship advice, we'd be happy to to help. 
as much as we can. One of us is unlicensed. So <laughs> Guess which one? <laughs> take that as you will. Um, but if you want to reach out to us, it's uh, ourmoviesourselves at gmail.com. Again, ourmoviesourselves at gmail.com. So let's open up the inbox and see uh, who wrote us. Oh, yeah. So it's empty. It's the first episode. There's nothing in there. Um, but next time we will read any that we get. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for uh, watching this movie that I love and uh, sharing your thoughts and feelings about the movie and uh, and beyond the movie. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, right. I think I've, I think I've changed my opinion on this. Oh, I think I've grown. Oh, this movie's grown on me. Good. Yeah. Precisely better yet I got you and you got me La 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 This has been our movies ourselves the movie slash relationship podcast Send us a line at our movies ourselves at gmail dot com Our movies ourselves is a production of Frank Studios and is recorded in beautiful Normal Heights, San Diego, California. You and me like apples and oranges. Nothing rhymes with oranges. So I guess I could have chosen a better word. Perhaps I should say you can But if we're honest, we both know that's absurd